You are listening to the Running With God podcast. More than nominal Christianity. like to welcome everyone to the Running With God podcast. I am your host, Coach Darby. Very excited to bring another episode to you in our series that we're doing here on the podcast called Running Through Suffering, where we're taking a look at what God's Word has to say about the pain and suffering that we see in the world. Uh, But before we get to our content, I would just like to encourage you to pay us a visit on Facebook. We do have a Running With God podcast Facebook page. I would encourage you to like that page and um, also follow us so that you can receive announcements of events and new episodes of the Running With God podcast. also want to remind our listeners that we are available on every major podcast platform, including Apple, uh, Google, and my personal favorite, Spotify. Um, And would just encourage you to subscribe to this podcast so that you can have those new episodes delivered um, directly to your mobile device. Also, as a reminder, you can always send us an email at runningwithgodpodcast at gmail.com. I would love to connect with you to take prayer requests. Uh, to to discuss some of the content that we talk about on this podcast and also send you a care package of some Running With God podcast swag. Plenty of things to be mailed out as part of our Running With God podcast swag pack. Well, just to give you an update on the marathon training, probably about a month into it by now, I've been doing very good with my mileage, been doing very good with my long runs. It was a struggle at first to, to really get back on that marathon horse, but now the mileage is starting to build up and I'm starting to feel more comfortable in the run. Um, just as a natural byproduct, I've dropped a little bit of weight, which is great. That was the other half of my goal. I really wanted to approach that starting line 15 pounds lighter. Uh, when I take the starting line at the Rock and Roll Savannah Marathon uh, this coming November, very excited to be doing marathons again. I was supposed to do this race last year, but unfortunately it got canceled because of the pandemic, so very eager to do it uh, this coming November. Well, before we really go deep into our content, I know traditionally I like to start what we're discussing with some scripture, but I'm going to do something a little different on this episode. I'm actually going to start with a story, and it's a true story. It's actually a large part of my testimony, and it has become a big part of my faith story. So if you'll humor me, I would just love to share something personal with you. Um, as I've mentioned before on this podcast, um, I have a daughter named Avery. And at the point in which I'm making this podcast, she's nine years old, about to turn 10. And uh, I just want to tell you how she came to be a part of my family. Uh, for many years, my wife Katie and I attempted to have children and were never successful. Uh, we tried a number of different programs and things um, in the medical field to try to attempt to have uh, natural children, and, and it just didn't work. And we almost reached our wits end and came to terms with, well, maybe this wasn't what we were supposed to do to begin with. Maybe we were supposed to adopt. And never really was sold on the idea of adoption. I think I was just a little too proud, thinking that that was an option for other people, but not an option for me. But uh, my wife was sold on it, so I followed her lead 
And she got us in touch with an adoption attorney who walked us through the process of getting that paperwork uh, filled out. Told us at the time it was probably about a 10-month waiting period, maybe longer, because at the time there were lots of people who were on the adoption list. Well, needless to say, six weeks later, we got a call. And it was about a girl in San Antonio, Texas, that had just been born, and her mother had showed up at a satellite hospital. It was a facility that wasn't even prepared uh, to take care of a delivering mother, Um, but that baby was born, and if we wanted to adopt that child, we had 24 hours to get to San Antonio, Texas before she became property of the state of Texas. So we jumped on a plane. Uh, You know, it just happened so fast. I just remembering not, not even being able to organize my thoughts I was calling family members that didn't even know that we were part of the adoption process saying, hey, we're we're going to adopt a child and I'll keep you updated. And I remember setting things up at work so that I would be gone for a week um, impromptu. It was just a crazy time. And I just remember struggling with it, even on the, the plane out there to San Antonio, just still not convinced that um, this was the path that we were supposed to take. But I do remember very vividly that once we arrived in San Antonio and we got to that hospital, I remember holding my baby girl for the first time and seeing all of those feelings of uncertainty and pride just melt away. And just knowing instantly that somebody that I was holding for the first time, somebody I'd never even met, I loved them with the deepest parts of my heart and knew that this was meant to be, that this was, this was God's plan all along. And as I've watched this little girl grow up in my life, the, the the wild thing, I think the thing that most people that know us personally just have a hard time getting over is just how much like her mother she looks. I mean, she is the spitting image of my wife, Katie. Um, and as she continues to age, all she does is look more and more like her mother. Nobody ever looks at my wife, Katie, and my daughter, Avery, and thinks that they're not biologically connected. It just doesn't happen. They're they're too similar in everything from their hair color to their skin tone. It's just amazing what God orchestrated. And that's why I, I wanted to bring up that story because I think it has a lot to do with the podcast. You know, we're looking at suffering. We're looking at pain in the world. And sometimes that suffering and that pain comes from waiting and it comes from uncertainty and it comes from wanting something so bad with every fiber of your being. And it just seems like God's telling you no and, and things are just not lining up and things aren't just going your way. But in reality, what was special about my story was what was unseen. And that's what we're going to talk about today is all of the details, all of the orchestration that goes into effect that we can't even perceive with our human eyes. You know, the ironic thing about all of this is that, you know, after the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3, the serpent so cunningly told Eve that if she ate of the forbidden fruit, that she would be like God, being able to see everything that he could see, which in fact was a lie at its very core, because eating of that forbidden fruit made us spiritually blind. It actually was kind of like getting a a sloppy Lasix surgery procedure on on our eyes, and now we can't see through the darkness, and we spend Uh, all of our energy trying to grope our way through life because we can't see what God is often orchestrating. But there is a way to, and, and that's what I'm excited to talk to you about, is that there is a way 
to see what's going on in the invisible world. There is a way to trust God, even though that our human eyes can't see everything that he's putting into motion. And when I look back on my personal story, my situation of adopting a child, I see now just how perfect of a plan it was. You see, I was trying to force my will on God instead of submitting to his will. I was trying to look at God and tell him, this is the way it should be. I don't understand why you're not giving me what I want. I'm praying. I'm going to church. I'm reading my Bible. Give me what I want. I want a child on my terms. But in fact, God was looking right back at me saying, no, no, Jeremy, I'm not giving you what you want. You're not getting your will. I'm getting my will because my will is perfect. And you can't see it right now. But at the end of this thing, you're going to see just how perfect it was. And I'll be honest with you, that was a big slap in the face for me to just see that God was orchestrating this great plan that was greater than anything I could have planned for myself. And I would have it no other way. And it's just funny how God can change you. I tried to change God so that he would bend to my will, but instead God changed me so that I might further submit to his will. And I am now probably the biggest advocate of adoption that you'll ever meet. I went into adoption being prideful, not thinking that this was for me, thinking that I was better than adoption. And now I think it's the greatest thing ever. And I would love to speak to anybody that's even entertaining the idea of adoption because I know that God is a conductor behind every adoption. And, you know, pain and suffering, it's real in the world. And like I said earlier, sometimes it comes with waiting. Sometimes it comes with this sense that God's not listening to you. God's not giving you what you think you desire or God's being unreasonable or maybe even unfair. Or maybe there would be some out there that would think that God's just being cruel. And I just want to share with you the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians. And if you have your Bibles, I would invite you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians. This comes from chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 16 through 18. Just listen to these words. Paul says, That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that can be not, oh, excuse me. We fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone, but the things that we cannot see will last forever. And I think that's just a beautiful piece of scripture. I've dwelt on that a number of times because when I look at the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians, what he's essentially saying is, if you can see it, it's not going to last. But the things you can't see, the things that are the things of God, are eternal. And there is a way to see what is unseen. There is a way to see what God is planning. And it's a little lens I like to call faith. And I would like to think that After sharing my story, my faith has been increased tremendously. When it comes to adopting a child, I don't have any trouble putting on that lens of faith saying, God, show me what you're going to do next, because I see now that it's so much better than anything I can see with my human eyes. And I wasn't always like that. I had to walk through that trial. I had to walk through that suffering of wanting a child, of desiring a child of my own, and then watching 
God deliver in his own time, in his own way, and it being perfect. And there's another story in the Bible that illustrates this beautifully, and it actually comes from 2 Kings. And in 2 Kings, you have this great prophet of God named Elijah. And Elijah was just a wonderful man. He was an advisor to the king of Israel. And in many ways, Elijah had some very unique abilities. He had the ability to um, see and hear conversations from the enemy's um, kingdoms. Um, He could literally hear some of the plots against Israel from a rival king's bedroom. So he would use this information. He would take it back to the king of Israel, and he would, um, in a sense, give the king of Israel intel into what the enemies were plotting and planning. So once the enemies caught on to Elijah's abilities, they sent an army to kill him. And Elijah had um, this friend, this um, servant named Gehazi. And just to put the story in modern, modern terms, just imagine this little hut that Elijah and Gehazi are living out of. And Gehazi walks out the front door one morning. He picks up the newspaper. And once again, we're putting a modern twist on this, kind of like a, one of my favorite pastors would do, Levi Lusco. Don't want to steal his thunder, but he's, he's great about taking some of these biblical stories and putting them in modern terms. So once again, Gehazi, the servant of Elijah, walks out the front door, picks up the newspaper. He's drinking his coffee. And then he peers across the landscape, and he sees an army surrounding their little hunt, a a great giant army of the enemy that is there for the purpose of killing him and Elijah. So he kind of backs into the house, still keeping his eyes on the on the army. He shuts the door and Elijah sees him coming and Elijah's like, what's wrong, Gehazi? And Gehazi says, I just opened the door and the enemy has got us completely surrounded. Like we're literally about to live the last few moments of this precious life before they kill us. And Elijah opens the door. He peers outside and doesn't seem as bothered about this as Gehazi. And he walks back in the house and he says, you don't have anything to worry about, Gehazi. We we, we got them outnumbered. And you know, at this point in the story, Gehazi is probably looking at Elijah going, you, you poor preacher, you really have lost it. I mean, what what did you see out there that makes you think, I mean, we're just two people. How could we possibly have an entire enemy army outnumbered when they literally have this house surrounded and they're on their chariots and they have their weapons drawn and they're advancing on our house? How could we possibly have them outnumbered? And Elijah looks at Gehazi. He says, oh, I get it. You were just looking at what you could see with your own eyes. God, please open the eyes of Gehazi so that he can see your greater plan, so that he can see just how protected we are right now. And sure enough, Gehazi looks back out that house and he still sees the army. He still sees the enemy army that has the house surrounded, ready to kill Elijah and Gehazi. But behind them, he sees an even greater army. And it's the army of heaven, the army of God. And for every single one of those armies and those individual soldiers that were out there on that landscape, he sees an army of heaven that greatly outnumbers and outmatches the physical army that was sent to destroy them. And he, in fact, had to learn that what he thought was surrounding him with fear and suffering and pain and eternal doom was, in fact, surrounded by God himself. 
And it's just a wonderful story. I don't want to spoil it for you. I don't want to tell you how it ends. I would encourage you to go to Second Kings right now and read the rest of that story and just see what happens. It's almost comical how relaxed Elijah is and how stressed out Gehazi is. But it goes to show that Elijah was gifted in using faith to see the bigger picture. And God gives us the ability to do that. He gives us the ability to see the bigger plan. But we have to ask for it. We have to ask for our lens of faith to be strengthened. And sometimes that lens of faith is strengthened by going through trials and pain and suffering. And it's funny how Second Kings really illustrates that many times when we're going through the worst parts of our life, where we're dealing with illness or the death in a family or loss at a, at a high level, poverty, just brokenness, uh, brokenness that can't even be fathomed, we can see that what surrounds us with fear and pain and suffering is, in fact, surrounded by God himself. You know, there's a reason that the Bible says that God is near to the brokenhearted. I don't think that is said because God is physically any more near to the brokenhearted because God's omnipresent. He's everywhere at once. But what I think that means is that God is perceived to be nearer to those who are brokenhearted. And think about it. When you are rocked to your very foundation, and last week we talked about foundations and how important they are, but when you're brought to your knees, when pain and suffering has literally crippled you, don't you reach out for help? Don't you don't you ask God where he's at? Don't you perceive his presence a little bit closer? And that postures you and that puts your heart in the right position to not only recognize the faithfulness of God and to have your faith renewed and restored and to realize how much you lean into God. It also helps you to empathize with the suffering of others. And isn't that what we see out of Jesus? I mean, as Christ followers, aren't we called to empathize with the suffering of others? You know, I think about the story of Jesus visiting Lazarus after he had already died. Um, you know, Jesus knew uh, on the road to Lazarus' house, he, he already knew that he was going to raise him from the dead. But what do we see once he gets to that house and once he has to approach um, Lazarus's family and find out that he's already died and have those family members, I mean, in a, in a kind of a passive aggressive way, say, you know, Jesus, if you would have shown up earlier, this wouldn't have happened. You know, what do we see out of Jesus when he approaches the tomb? We see Jesus weep. We see Jesus sympathize and empathize with our pain and suffering. And that's what I love about the God I serve. The God I serve does not sit on a high throne and watch his followers suffer and, and just do nothing about it. No, he chooses to come down from that high throne and suffer alongside of us and make us stronger for it. And I mean, isn't that what we kind of do as parents? For those of us that are listening that might be parents, you know, if your child falls down, let's say they're playing a soccer game. I can I can relate to soccer. That's what my little girl likes to do. You know, every time she hits the ground in that soccer game, you know, she hops back up. Sometimes she may hop up crying. Sometimes she may hop up with that skint knee, um, you know. But what do I say as her coach and as her dad? I say, get back up. Get back, get back to playing. Don't wimp out on me. I mean, be tough. Soccer has all of the contact. You're going to fall. You're going you're gonna to sometimes land awkwardly. It's not always going to feel good. That's the thing about a contact sport. It hurts. But if you continue to get back up and get back up and keep playing the game 
and above all else, stay in the game, you're going to be stronger for it. And isn't that what we would expect a good parent to do? I mean, would would we look down on a parent if every time their child fell on the soccer field, they went and scooped them up and brought them to the sidelines and just rubbed their head and kissed kissed them and just comforted them and just told them it was all, all going to be all right and they just made the pain go away by taking the child out of the game. That's not what our God does. Our God is a great parent. He picks us up, but he keeps us in the game. And he tells us, toughen up, be strong, get out there and play the game of soccer. Don't fall down. Don't wimp out on me and don't quit. Get in there and grow and learn from how you failed. That's what our God does. He's a good parent. That's why we call him the good father. And since this is the Running With God podcast, I would be remiss at this point if I didn't give a running example. So now I'm speaking to all of my fellow runners out there. doesn't matter if you run the 5K, the 10K, the half marathon, which is my preferred distance, full marathon, ultra marathon. Why do you do it? I mean, being honest with you, why why do you do it? Why do you keep running the miles? Why do you put in the work? Why do you run the races? Because here's what I found through my experience. Running hurts. Running involves all kinds of suffering, yet I'm addicted to it. I keep coming back to it. Why in the world would I gravitate to something that involves so much pain and suffering? And if I'm being honest with myself, I don't have to partake of that pain and suffering. I don't have to be a runner. I can just step away from that sport altogether and just say, hey, you know what? The best way to not hurt running is not running at all. But I keep gravitating back to it. And I don't run away from it just because it hurts from time to time. Why is that? I'll tell you why. Because to that extent, to that end, the suffering means I've done something. It's it's a badge of honor. It shows that I've done something amazing today. And it's evidence that I'm getting stronger. Because if I can run, let's say... 10 miles without stopping today. If I continue to train and I continue to persevere as I'm doing right now in three months, I should be able to run 26 miles without stopping. I mean, that's the game plan. The game plan is to use the pain and suffering to my advantage so that I can be stronger after I've continued to go through trial after trial after trial after trial. And it's just amazing how in the sport of running, we embrace pain and suffering because we know and recognize that it will make us faster and it will make us stronger and it will ultimately make us a better runner. That's how life is. And that's exactly what God sees with his bigger picture mindset. He sees the things that we don't see. He sees ultimately that that pain and that suffering, those trials that we're going through, they're going to make us stronger. I mean, didn't he promise this great work that I've began in you, I will finish. And I love that about the Bible. I love how the Bible is loaded with analogies and examples that refer back to running, back to racing, because I think racing is such a great example of what life is like. Things aren't always going to go your way. You're going to have workouts that are going to hurt. Those miles that you're logging through, through, through the roads of life, they're not always going to be pleasant. Sometimes there's going to be uphills. Those are not my favorite. But also, sometimes there's going to be downhills. I love running downhill. But ultimately, what God sees is he sees that finish line. And he's right there at that finish line waiting on us. And he recognizes that that pain and suffering might be the strength that we need that builds our faith 
that gets us to the finish line. I believe that's why he allows it to happen. Because he knows that this race is tough. He knows it's not a sprint. He knows that the race of life is a marathon. And to complete a marathon, you have got to be able to make it to the finish line. And that means you've got to be able to endure all of the pain and suffering that comes with the multiple, multiple, multiple miles to get you there. I love that our God's a good father. I love that he keeps us in the game. And he says, press on, child. You're going to be stronger. I promise. You can't see that right now with your limited vision. But I see the big picture. I see what it's going to take for you to make it to that finish line. And we can get a glimpse into that. And that's called faith. And faith builds over and over after trial after trial. I know that my faith right now as a 38-year-old Christ follower is so much greater than it was five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. I've just seen God come through again and again and again. And listener, that's my prayer for you. My prayer for you is that no matter what trial, what pain and suffering you're facing right now, that you adopt that lens of faith and you try to perceive God's bigger picture. You look at the pain and suffering and instead of saying, God, please end this and take this away. Instead of that, you say, God, what are you trying to teach me through this? How am I going to be stronger at the end of this? And my prayer for you also is that you recognize that God never left your side, that he was with you when that pain and suffering started. And like he did with the army that was surrounding Elijah's hut, that the bigger picture is what is surrounding you in suffering and pain is surrounded by God himself. And that pain and suffering is greatly, greatly outnumbered in the presence of God. My prayer for you is that you see that. My prayer for you is that you wake up tomorrow morning and you say, God, I'm going to put that lens of faith on so that I don't just see what's there, but I can see what you say is there. And when you start to see the invisible, you can do the impossible. God bless you and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Running With God podcast, more than nominal Christianity. Send us an email at runningwithgodpodcast at gmail.com.